Hello to our listeners and welcome to TNT ESQ. Along with my co-host Teresa Quinlan, I'm Rhys Thomas. We make up TNT. For those of you who don't know, TNT is our initials. Simple, right? Uh, we're here to explode the status quo. This series is all about talking with people who are helping us to think differently so we can start doing differently. Today's guest is Jason Barnaby. He joins us from Indianapolis, Indiana. Jason is the chief fire starter of Firestarters Inc., a culture and engagement expert, a leadership consultant, an author, a tribe leader, and a keynote speaker. His goal is practical inspiration to facilitate aha moments that spark lasting change. Welcome to TNT ESQ, Jason. Thanks so much for having me. I'm honored. Always good to have a fire starter on. Uh, lots of questions, I'm sure, coming up. But as usual, we sort of start with this preface that tell us a bit about your obsession, your your passion, share with us what you're thinking about now. So you talked about the idea of it's a new normal being so prevalent around everywhere, and you have a different take on that. You want to talk about the new now and the importance that people need to be adaptable, to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yes. And having that sort of fluid mindset, improvisational skill, that ability to handle change and focus on the new now rather than the new normal or whatever it might be. So Right. So starting out, I would say, first of all, passion. I have been in the adult education world for the better part of 20 years from an instructor facilitator standpoint. So the thing for me by, I mean, hands down, that is my fire, if you will, is the facilitation of those aha moments. And that's part of the reason I think I love teaching so much because you got to be a part of those. I, I taught specifically English as a foreign language, both in Europe and here in the States. And when somebody finally gets it, you know, maybe it's phrasal verbs or past perfect tense or those things that probably most people aren't terribly excited about. But when this person realizes like they unlock the key to like, oh, that's how I should say that. And you just see their eyes get big, right? And their, their voice changes and they, they lean in. And they're just, they're excited. I've been able to design a business where I get to do that with people every day in a, not in language learning, but more in the professional and personal development space. One of the people that comes to mind as a client I had this past year who is uh, in her late fifties. And she said, after she went through this program that, that she was a part of with me, she said, I've, I just realized going through this, Jason, that everything is right here in front of me. And I just needed to take the next step and you like, I have everything I need. I'm not lacking anything. And for so many years, I kept looking at what I lacked and that was keeping me stuck. And she was so excited and she's in like late fifties, you know, on one hand, I'm like, that's so awesome. I'm so excited for you. On the other hand, I'm like, I'm so bummed that you didn't figure this out like a whole lot of other years ago that aha moment, you just see there's a difference in the face, there's a difference in the body language, a difference in the tone of voice. And to be able to help facilitate, guide, open up those experiences for people to have those. I, I tell people it's been my drug of choice for over 20 years. I mean, there is nothing like being a part of that experience. And the cool thing is it's different with every single person that you meet. Those are probably the best elements of when you see it behind their eyes. The, I never thought of it like that before. All of a sudden, you know 
the next step is going to be different and one they maybe never have taken before. Totally. And without you never would have taken it in this way either. It's really a fulfillment of your purpose, would you say? Oh, absolutely. One that comes to mind as you were talking about that as a gentleman that I taught, he had come back to school and had some really difficult times in high school learning to read and was like really kind of at a, a pretty low level reading level. And so I did some private tutoring with him off to the side. And this guy had raised a family. He had three children. He was married for 20 or 30 years, worked at the same, he worked at a utility company, worked at the same company for most of his life, passed up promotion after promotion after promotion because he knew that those promotions would require paperwork and he couldn't read well enough to keep up with what it was doing. It's just amazing to me too, the tricks that people employ. And I said, so what did you do when you went out? I said, clearly you went out to eat at a restaurant from time to time, right? Like how did that look when you were given a menu? He said, I always asked what the special of the day was, or I asked the waitress or waiter for a suggestion, a recommendation. And I always chose whatever it was that they said. He goes, I learned to eat a lot of different foods <laughs> because I said yes. So, but he, at the end of that time, I wish like his, I can see when I close my eyes, I can see his face. Like to your point, I know that he left that course and applied for another job, which meant more money for his family. The ripple effects were tremendous. And to know that I got to be a part of that in some really, really small piece, just mainline it. I mean, just bring it. Mm -hmm. it's, there's, mm -hmm. I, I, there's, there's nothing better in my opinion. So good. I like that you um, kind of alluded to this, this moment, this aha moment. That's what excites you because it excites them. So, and we tied it to your purpose. So what was your aha moment that told you that you needed uh, to start this purpose? That's, it's interesting that you ask because uh, this coming Saturday will be my two-year anniversary of my job being eliminated in the corporate world. And my aha moment was about six months before that. I had been on vacation for about two and a half to three weeks over the holidays, came back after New Year's and did the 25-minute commute drive and pulled into the parking garage. Don't remember the commute. Don't remember any of the turns of how I got there turned off the car, sighed so loudly that it shocked me. I kind of did this like, oh my, and then I was like, holy crap, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember then thinking, like, okay, I drag myself out and I, I go into the office and where I worked at the time I was in HR, I walked onto our floor and outside the HR area were the company values. And over that weekend, I had just written down my values and mission statement similar to what you read at the beginning of the podcast of what I wanted to do. And I had seen that when I juxtaposed those things that it didn't match. And so I'm literally standing in front of this, I'm sure very expensive thing that they made to tell everybody in the world what their values were. And I just, I paused in front of those before I walked to my desk. And I just remember, I think I even said out loud, that's not me. Not bad values and not a bad mission, but just it wasn't me. I think for me, that was the beginning, the beginning of the end, uh, just realizing that I had been stuck. I'd become the person that I didn't want to become. I had worked to get a seat at the table. I worked really hard to get a seat at the table. I dressed the part. I talked the part. I walked the part. I did all those things to get. And then when we were at the metaphorical cocktail party, I just remember thinking, 
as I was like approaching my seat that I had worked so hard to get at this table right before I sat down. I'm like, I don't want to eat dinner. I don't want, I don't want this meal. I don't want to sit with any of these people at the table. And I don't like the person that I've become that's going to sit in that chair. How quickly can I get out of here? Like, can I fake up phone call and say, I got to go all, you know, obviously metaphorically, but that was for me. I just realized I'm made to do more than, than what this place is. And, and it's time for me to go. And the company helped me uh, five and a half months later, they, <laughs> they eliminated my position, gave me some severance. And I can tell you sitting here right now, almost two years on that, that was the greatest experience that ever, like it didn't seem great in the moment. Um, but looking back, they facilitated an aha moment for me. I've never actually said that before, but they facilitated that aha moment for me by saying it's time to go. And I realized at that moment, they were a part of something that I wasn't able to do on my own. And by doing that, like opened the door to go, holy cow, look at all the opportunity out here. And I haven't looked back. I was listening to your timeline and I thought, wait a minute, five and a half months later, after your pivotal moment, in the car sign you had the moment and then you went mm, i'm not ready to do anything about oh it. totally totally <laughs> totally and you know what that's so funny because you're i mean you are exactly right which is interesting because what i do um i have to tell people all the time you got to jump old mm -hmm. ways don't open new doors the thinking that got you here won't get you to where you want to go Everything you want is on the other side of fear. These are all things that I use in terms of visuals and stuff when I, when I do keynotes. And you are exactly right. Because what was interesting was in that year, in 2018, I would tell people that part of my planning for the year was, I would say, I hope this is the year that Firestarters is going to launch on its own. I just could never have imagined that that was the way that it was going to be. <laughs> I mean, hope is awesome. Yeah, right? It requires a little bit of action behind yeah, it. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah here's the thing that I think is really pivotal in this description is too, is that in order to speak of it and help guide other people through, you have to have gone through it totally. yourself because totally. there's a resonance that lives in there, but also I think a deeper level of authenticity when you speak about it rooted in your story. Right. And that created an opportunity for which you call, this is my new now. Tell me a little bit more about this phrase. New yeah. So, you know, especially as we're speaking now in the midst of this global pandemic, as the world is beginning to open back up, you know, people are talking about, you know, new normal. I don't believe that as folks are listening to this and think back, hopefully we're coming out of it by the time this is aired, but I don't believe that this is new normal, like a global pandemic where people are afraid to be in the same room with one another to deal with those things. I don't believe that that's new normal. To me, new normal is what is going to be on the other side of this when there's new regulations, when there's a potential vaccine, where the world isn't shut down. That's not new normal. And so for me, this idea of new now, I'm a speaker I lost tens of thousands of dollars in the first two weeks that everything shut down because of canceled conferences, money that was there to pay for things that's no longer there, things that got booted into next year, leadership team engagements that were like, we don't even know which end is up right now. There's no way we're going to develop when we're trying to hold the ship on the right course. For me, that idea of new now is the ability, the willingness, the authenticity the vulnerability to change and adapt and realize like I'm speaking to you on a microphone that's on a 
boom stand with a ring light behind me and a ring light over here to my side that I didn't have four weeks ago. This is new now. I don't know if I'm always going to be speaking from home, but I needed to learn to pivot. I have some friends and people that I know who are like, well, I don't want to speak from my home. Okay, well, then you're probably not going to be speaking, <laughs> right? Like if you're not willing to adapt and to change, there's going to be some loss. I am actually launching on this weekend on the anniversary of my job, a completely different version of this program that I have called 30 Days to Blaze. It used to be very me-centered in terms of facilitation and those kinds of things. And I've turned it into a complete DIY thing that people can do online with their own tribes of people to go through it. And that's because one, I know people don't have the money that they had six months ago. Two, they're in very different places, lost jobs, lost loved ones. I have some friends who are like, I've been stuck at home for the last two months. And guess what? I've realized I don't like my job. So now what do I do? I don't like my job. I don't like my company. I don't like the people I work with. So now what do I do? So that new now is the ability to pivot, to change. And I would say the other thing, and you know, Teresa, to your point about me having the aha moment and then waiting five and a half months. The other thing is to just be willing to ask for help, which is really hard. You know, we're so used to living in a world where there's a playbook or an app or a leader, you know, somebody that we can all get behind that's been there, done that. That's, there is no playbook. Nobody's done this. Nobody's got it all figured out. Being willing to admit that it's hard. I mean, I've had some days where I've, I've come back from the grocery store exhausted and just sat and cried because it's, sad. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm tired. My kids, you know, are struggling. They're having to stay at home and not see their friends and, and do those things. To adapt and ask for help, I think, are the two key pieces in that. 100%. Yeah. I think the skill of improvisation is something that's really been unstated un when it comes to leadership. But for all of us, I think, I think having been able to be agile, being able to adapt, being able to embrace change, you know, with parts of our human body, you know, they change daily, you know, it's, it's innate, it's like within our DNA that we can cope with change, but we've just taught ourselves that we can't cope with change. And the first thing we need to do is to first be okay with the, the concept that I need to change first, and then I can start changing everything else. You are wearing a t-shirt, it says comfortable being uncomfortable. I know it's one of your, uh, I don't know, should I say catchphrases? It's one of your, uh, one of your Motto, mottos. Sure. Motto. Yeah. Tell us a bit about that, because when you're telling me about your story, you sitting in the car, having that side, and I was imagining how many other mornings did you pull up after that, have that same experience? You're kind of tricking yourself to being comfortable whilst you were clearly very uncomfortable. So how have you taken that concept and, and I'm sure flipped it to be a really positive thing about challenging fear or what? That's a, that's a great question to get behind the scenes. And one of the things that comes to mind is uh, I lived in Colorado for a time after I was in college. I don't know how professional, but I tell people I was a professional ski bum. That just basically means I worked at a place that allowed me to ski as many days as I could possibly ski in a calendar year. During the summertime, we would hike and I was hiking with a friend and we were up at a particular mountain. We were above the tree line. So the oxygen was pretty thin and we're sitting there. It's beautiful. And uh, we'd worked hard to get to the summit. And I said, man, I could stay up here for a good long while. And I was with a friend who was, he was a man of few words, but when he did speak, he was very wise. You know, we're looking out over this valley and he says, he says, you know, Jason, it would be pretty great to stay up here, but look around. Do you see anything growing up here? There, it literally was rocks. I mean, it was nothing, maybe like a little scrub brush sage kind of thing, but very minimal. And he said, when you look out, where's the greenest parts? 
down in the valleys because that's where the roots grow deep. As great as it is to stay up here, you've got to go down and put your roots down and get into the stuff down there to really grow. And that made a huge impression on me. This other thing about being comfortable being uncomfortable um, I had a friend, and this is in the beginning of my book in the introduction, I was very afraid. I knew that my job was going to be eliminated, so I am a little lucky in that way. I mean, I, mean, I didn't know 100%, but I had a pretty good idea. And I was at his house uh, about two or three weeks before this whole thing started, before I was let go, and I had been writing my book, and, and I was pretty emotional, and I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And he's like, you don't know if you can do what? And I'm like, I don't know if I can shoulder this burden of going out and like leading this company and being this person and being the spokesperson and being this cheerleader and being this aha moment facilitator for lots of lots of people and, and standing up on stage and talking about this stuff. He looked at me and he, he said, I mean, it was important enough that it made it in the intro of the book, but he said, Jason, I've known you since college. And he said, you are a leader that leads from your heart. And that is rare these days you have a gift to lead, but here's the thing. If you're not willing to lead and use the gift, people are not able to follow you. Man, he told me that and I just, I kind of silently wept into my coffee cup as I was standing in the, in the kitchen with him because he was, he was so right. I had my own head trash. I call them in my book, what if abouts, because Often I think what we do is we say, well, what if this happens? And what if that happens? And what about this? And what about that? Well, if this happens and we go down this domino road where none of those things have happened, but we're convincing ourselves that it's going to be awful if we take that first step because all the other dominoes will fall. What I realized was that so much of that stuff was in my head. And what I also realized was that when I do lead, I, I read about this with Gary V. If you guys follow him, Gary Vaynerchuk. What about all the posts that I got that got one like or no likes or no interactions? And I mean, I remember one particular article that I posted on LinkedIn. I was really proud of it. And it got, I mean, it got nothing. And it's funny now because when people find me on LinkedIn, they'll go back and read old stuff and I'll get like so-and-so liked like from two and a half years ago. But what's been really cool is for me to see that as I step out, people are responding. And the more you step out, the more people respond, which encourages you to step out, which encourages more people to respond. But if you stay stuck and you just, I can't because I'm uncomfortable. I believe that that discomfort goes away as you continue to embrace it. And that's why I really like this phrase of comfortable being uncomfortable. Because the more you can embrace it as a bedfellow, as a close friend, the easier it is to hang out with it. And in some cases, it's kind of fun. That doesn't always mean that I'm the first to step out. That doesn't mean I'm always the first to, you know, say this is the way that things should be. I've definitely realized the more I get comfortable being uncomfortable, it also helps other people around me feel that way. Because the other thing that I realize is that most of us are uncomfortable a lot of the time. <laughs> and so when you have somebody who can help you be uncomfortable and realize that that's okay, that you're not a weirdo, that you're not a freak, that it's not this crazy thing, that most, if not all of us are going through it, then it's okay. And it really becomes something that's quite fun. There's an elegance around the phrase in and of itself. I'm comfortable being uncomfortable when the reality is most people live in a state of discomfort all of the time. Yeah. And so they're already sort of used to being uncomfortable, just completely unaware 
of the fact totally. that they have everything within them to get to comfort is is within them. They're capable of doing it. Right. I believe that source of the what if abouts that you speak about is that it creates a higher level of discomfort to keep us in our current level of discomfort because there's this fear element that anything else is going to be worse instead of really thinking anything else has the potential to be better than where totally. I am right here. Right. And so to your point of surrounding ourselves with other people, who are willing to sort of step into what would be uncomfortable, but actually are seeking greater levels of comfort, is that we start to learn or we start to receive from those other people proof. And oftentimes that's what we're looking for. And some people have it within themselves that they're like, I'm just going to go because I don't need the proof. I'm okay with the risk of the unknown. And I can prove to myself and other people require the tribe, require the other person to provide proof for them that look, it's okay if you step over or leap over this chasm it's solid ground on the other side right when you're speaking to people how often does the notion of resiliency to stress and discomfort come up oh it comes up all the time because the path most chosen i think is is the comfort path i mean i'd love to see the numbers of binged watched episodes of netflix since this since this whole thing is take you know like it's just easier to stay in bed I mean, think about before how many people, one, never got on a Zoom call ever. No, I don't do, I don't do Zoom calls because you, you had the option to beg out before. How many people that then did get on, got on and didn't turn on their cameras because they're like, I'm not turning on my camera. I don't like the way I look on camera. I don't like my butt, you know, all that. And now it's, it's new now. It's more weird now if you don't get on and you don't turn on your camera than it was before. And I tell people all the time, you know, because I started this company, because I'm chief fire starter, because I'm the one that's often out there. If you guys have seen that TEDx with uh, how to start a movement, the, the lone nut, the dancing mm. guy, right? Because I am so often the guy who's dancing by himself on the hill. That doesn't mean that I have it all figured out. That doesn't mean that I have all the answers. That doesn't mean that I don't feel a little weird at the beginning dancing by myself, but it does mean that I'm still going to go do it because I've done it also enough times to know that if I do it long enough, other people are going to come dance with me because ultimately that's what people want to do anyway. I think the, you know, the resiliency that you talk about, I would say, you know, so many of us that are part of humans first that are leaders. I mean, there, there, I'm sure there are days for all of us where we're like, I don't want to be the one. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to, I don't want to be the person to step out. I don't want to make this video. I don't want to share this message. Somebody else um, do it. Yeah. Yep. But yet the, the crazy dichotomy of that is that when you in fact do it, whatever it is, and you put it out there, the flood that comes back, which is the reason you felt compelled to do it in the first place I think in those times where you don't feel like you are the one that should remembering that in fact you are and being very mindful of what happened the last time you did. And then somebody else says it, right. And you're like, Oh man, I was going to like, I was going to say that three weeks ago, but I didn't. That's the other thing I've realized is that uh, I can't, I can't remember the, the woman's name. I think her last name is Gilbert. I'm a terrible person when it comes to quoting authors. She talked about how ideas go from person to person until they find a willing host, if you will, 
who will mm. do with it what needs to be done. Like a, and she uses the example of, have you ever read a book where you think, oh, that was my idea like three years ago, right? <laughs> or you hear a song or a lyric and you're like, oh, I was gonna write that book. Well, you had your shot basically is what she says and it, and it moves on to somebody else until it finds somebody who's willing to like put it out there. It's kind of interesting way to think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't miss your opportunity. So I really wanted to bring up something that you said to us right before we hit record, which I think is, is not something that I've heard for a while and something that I think will really resonate with people is you talked about accountability and you talked about in your tribe, the leaders are always checking up on the people who are in their tribe. But what most people don't do is check in with, with the strong ones. Like you said a minute ago, the guy or the girl who was about to do the post saying, I don't want to do it. I don't feel like it's not my day. And maybe if someone just sent them that message or had that quick yeah. call, that would give them the impetus to, to do what they were supposed to do. So can you share a bit about that and how important that is for you? And, and especially absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the tools that I developed is called a tribal inventory and it's based on Jim Rohn's quote that we are the average of the five people that we spend the most time with. I basically took that built onto it and said that there are seven roles that you need in a good tribe. And there's three different stages in this tool. The first one is the admire stage. And that's simply looking at who's in your tribe and taking stock of the people that you have and pausing and thanking them and admiring them for the part that they play in your life. And I often have people go, well, they already know that. Okay. Maybe they do. So let's say for the sake of argument that they in fact do, but let's also flip it. And if you're that person in that other person's life, they admire you and maybe you even know it. Isn't it still nice to hear it or to get a text message or to have some, of course it is. And so why wouldn't we want to do that to, to others? And I think especially when we think about, and I saw that at the beginning of this whole pandemic time, you know, make sure that you check on the, and it listed a bunch of different people in you know, a tribe, the quiet one, the, the strong one, the loud one, the funny one, because so often we think like, oh, they're always joking. Like they've got it figured out or they're always leading. They're always on social media. They're always out there. Like they're surrounded by people. Oftentimes those are some of the loneliest people mm-hmm. because they're constantly putting things out and people aren't necessarily, you know, they're giving it to everybody else. They don't have a lot of people giving it back to them. I do think especially the strong ones, but I just think making a practice every quarter to go through your list of folks that you've spent the most time with in the last three months and just send a text message or send a gift card of some sort for five bucks for a free coffee somewhere or to just say, I appreciate you and I wanted you to know that. I guarantee you that if there is somebody who's listening to this podcast right now, if you've had somebody who's come into your mind that you've thought, oh, I need to do that. I hope that before you put your head on the pillow tonight that you do it because I can guarantee you that person came into your mind for a reason and you have no idea sometimes the things that people deal with and that they're going through and how much a gesture like that could make a difference. Love is in the details. Absolutely. The smallest of details can sometimes make the most impact for someone. And they're free, right? Doesn't cost you anything. Or five bucks and a stamp. Right. It doesn't cost you anything to send a text message or to pick up the phone and make a phone call. I have a friend who on her voicemail, she says, thanks so much for actually calling me and not sending me a text message because I want to hear your voice. So please leave me a message so I can hear your voice. It's a big deal. It is a big deal. A lot of things are a big deal. 
like you sharing your story with us, which allows mm. people to connect at a deeper level and go, hmm, I like this guy. I'm going to listen to what he has to talk about. And then I'm going to check him out because he's got a website, firestarterstribe.com. That's right. <laughs> Thank you for that. You shared so many wise words, oh, experiences, you. nuggets of things that people can actually get to doing. And one of the things we like to do for our audience is actually help to simplify it for them. So they listen to this arc of a conversation. And then as we get towards the end, we want our guest to harness the power of simplicity and put a nice bow on it. Is there's one thing that you would encourage people to do differently starting now so they can be different in whatever way that manifests for them, what would it be? I would actually tell them to do an activity. You list all the things that you're afraid of on one side of a piece of paper, all those what if abouts, because those are the things that keep us so stuck, right? If they're swirling around in our brains, it's hard sometimes to manage them because it makes a cyclone in our head. Put it all down on a piece of paper, write them all down, get them all out. If it takes you 15 minutes, do that. When you're done and when you feel like you're finished, based on a quote by Jack Canfield that everything you want is on the other side of fear, flip the piece of paper over and write down, if those fears were gone, what would life look like? And then true to brand, take that out to a grill or a fire pit or over your sink and torch that baby. And I can just tell you that it is an unbelievably cathartic exercise to watch your fears literally go up in smoke. And I say, this is where um, my mission statement came from is ignite hope because you're, you're literally igniting those things that you thought about on the other side and you torched the fear. I still do it. I, sometimes I do it around a particular project. Sometimes I do it if I'm going to make, go after a big client. Sometimes I'm going to do it if it's family related stuff. This is also a great thing to do with your kids, by the way make it a family affair. You know, that becomes, may have everybody do it and go put it on the fire and that becomes the, the paper to start the fire. So two things. One, I had a full body goosebump moment. So thank you for that. And two, I wrote it down and immediately thought, I'm doing this with my family tonight. <laughs> this is going to be so Love much fun. It. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's an incredible experience. And I, I do say like the asterisk is with proper fire safety in place. So oh, yes, have some, course. you know, have some water, have a fire extinguisher or something like that. Do it over a place that's meant to be burned, not over a hardwood floor or carpet or your family pet. <laughs> <laughs> if holding oh, meaning to the word hot dog. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. that. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much for that golden nugget that our audience can take with them. Practical activity based. Yeah. So Jason, everyone's going to want to know how to get in touch with you. What's on the horizon. So please yeah. tell us what's going on for you. And 30 days to blaze is a program that I have had out that I've done through facilitation, but it is coming out as a DIY version um, called tribe of five. So the idea is you can do it with four people plus yourself. Um, to get a tribe of five together to go through it on your own time in your own way. Um, I have written a facilitator's guide for it. I have put some videos on there, but it's all online. And I just think in this time, 
I think of seniors who've graduated from high school who are deferring next semester, seniors who graduated from college whose jobs were eliminated before they even started or were frozen or were, you know, offers revoked. You know, if you're somebody who loves to mentor people, can you sponsor a tribe of five and take four young people through this to help them figure out where it is that it needs to be? That's really the main thing for me as, as I'm working through and just helping people figure out what sets their heart on fire, which is the question I always ask. Um, in terms of getting a hold of me and seeing me, I do a ton of stuff on LinkedIn. That's probably the place I do the most. Instagram is Firestarters Tribe. And on Facebook, if you're a Facebook person, it's Jason Barnaby, which is my name, dash Firestarter. Actively looking for more people to follow and to be a part of the tribe because I think there's power in numbers and there's comfort in discomfort when we know that we're not alone. Thank you so much for that. Absolutely. Now we like to wrap up our conversation with a rapid fire Q and A. All right. Is 10 statements with two choices interpret as suits you best. Are you ready? I'm ready. Bring it. Okay. Excellent. Number one, manager or leader? Leader. Active or reactive? Active. Black and white or gray? Oh, gray. Optimist or realist? Optimist. Canada or England? England. Oh, Reese, you got one. Don't give him a chance to change his mind. Heart or head? Heart. Empathy or assertiveness? Empathy. Introvert or extrovert? Extrovert on steroids. Logical or emotional? Emotional. And last but not least, innovation or process? Innovation. I'm really excited for the day when the orange shoes go on. Yeah, I happen to have them right here. Can't wait. Look at that. Markers yeah. of hope. These <laughs> markers are my markers of hope. of hope. They're sitting right on my desk so that I can see them still with the tag on until that day that I get back on stage. So for those, those that aren't aware and those that are listening, a marker of hope Jason put up this post that he got himself these orange shoes for when, you know, he's back into being able to step out into public and speak and live his passion full steam ahead. He got these shoes as that marker of hope and encouraged everyone to have something that provides yeah. that sense of hope and inspiration for them. So it's a really beautiful gift, I think, that you put out to the world. Thank, Thank you, you for spending your time with us today. Oh, Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Jason. That was a real privilege and uh, can't wait to see you wearing those shoes. I'm sure it won't be too long now. The best way for us to find out if we are giving you, our listener, the value of your time by helping you think differently so you can do differently is if you write a review and give a rating on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on.